Why is Joe Biden interfering in Australia to protect the big four banks? Crack down on banks that continue to defy Parliament and for Assange, Duggan and more, show some gumption, PM. Coming up on today's Citizens Report. Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 27th of July 2023. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about how Joe Biden is intervening to protect the big four banks. You'll find out exactly what that is about in a minute. It is bizarre. Uh, we'll then discuss how NAB are closing more bank branches. and in total defiance of democracy. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to end on uh, a media doyen in Australia now uh, putting the pressure on elbow to intervene on Julian Assange's behalf. Yep. Uh, we also need to announce, Elisa, that um, from now on our show should be posted at five o'clock on Fridays instead of five mm-hmm. o'clock on Saturdays. So we've started that last week without we forgot to announce it. So that expect those who are the regular viewers, and we want you all to be regular viewers, um, mm. you can start watching it as of 5 o'clock Friday, Eastern Standard, Standard Time, Time yes. Australia. And to help us build the viewership, please hit the like button, subscribe, share this as widely as you can, and you can also make a donation by following the instructions in the box below if you can support what we're doing. Yep. Um, so, first topic, why is Joe Biden interfering in Australia to protect the big four banks? Now, we are going to talk about uh, a two-part feature series that has been posted by the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, aka ASPE, on the 24th of July. China's cyber interference narrows in on Australian politics and policy. And the story says that China bots... Uh, on Twitter and other social media, are amplifying attacks on things like AUKUS, the AUKUS subs deal, including the attacks by uh, former Prime Minister Keating, yep. uh, and even things like, quote, sustained targeting of the big four banks. So these China bots are apparently amplifying our campaign. Well, uh, and ASB names us in particular, which I'll read the quote in a moment, targeting the big four banks. Um, So the article says, this is the quote, major Australian banks are a key focus for many accounts in the campaign, including the Commonwealth Bank, the National Australia Bank, ANZ and Westpac. This includes claims that Australian banks aren't serving regional Australia and First Nations customers. Concurrently, the campaign promotes the views of certain individuals, such as former Prime Minister Paul Keating, and organisations, especially the Australian Citizens Party. Especially the Australian Citizens Party. It's interesting, though, they're putting us in the same camp with the former Prime Minister, so, you know, elevating our status. <laughs> not even on social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, the article goes on to demand that the ACP's, our banking campaign and our associates, come under the new social media censorship legislation which we've been campaigning against and we've been getting and hopefully our viewers have made their submission which is due just as a reminder on the 6th of August. Uh, This is the Communications Legislation Amendment 
Combating Misinformation and Disinformation Bill 2023. So do that if you haven't. So the article says on that point, if the new ACMA powers to combat misinformation and disinformation or a variation of the bill are passed, then as a first step, ACMA should mandate the digital platforms, including social media platforms, disclose all state-backed influence operations publicly, as if somehow we were in control of these so-called China bots that are amplifying our campaigns. They would want, they would, what they're calling for there is to say that any post made by the Citizens Party or say me, because I'm very active on Twitter, my account would be labelled, and, and Twitter does this now, right? Um, this is a, so if it's RT, Russia Today, they'll, they'll say, um, you know, state-backed media. They want, okay. they want mm. us to be labelled state-backed foreign influence campaign. That's what they're actually State calling for amplified. in there. State-amplified, yeah. Exactly. And then, and then under the censorship laws, we would actually be, end up being kicked off. That's, look, here's the thing. If that wasn't so serious, that part of it, this whole thing would be laughable. I mean, it is hilarious what Aspie is trying to claim here. Mm. Are they seriously saying that mm. Beijing, Xi Jinping is concerned whether the town of Inglewood loses its last branch, which is it's about to happen because NAB's about to close it down. NAB's announced this week. Going, is Xi Jinping personally concerned about that? Is Xi Jinping concerned about um, Mitchell in, New- in Queensland losing its last bank? Is Xi-, is Xi Jinping concerned about the 30 branches that NAB has shut down in regional Australia? Is that what they're actually saying here? That the Chinese Communist Party... Mm which they say is likely yeah. behind these bots. They don't even know, Elisa. They, ha- they present no evidence of these bots being Chinese backdoor. Anyway. Let me rephrase it. Sorry, I won't say they don't know. What you said is more true. They've presented no evidence. Mm. They actually may know who's behind, who's behind well, those bots. Mm. Because it's far more likely, given what they're saying should be the consequence, it's far more likely they represent the people who are behind these bots trying to set an organisation like us up Mm -hmm. and taint our campaigns, then Xi Jinping actually is paying attention to bank branch closures in regional Australia. Because you know what? ASPE has done more than any other organisation in this country to absolutely demonise Xi Jinping, China and everything Chinese, destroy our relationship with our biggest and best trading partner. That's its job. And I'll talk about its funding in a minute. But it's paid by the US government to do it, Right. And they're now claiming that the president of China somehow cares about bank branch closures in Australia. That means Xi Jinping's the good guy. (laughs) And so what we've asked in our headline is, if Xi Jinping actually cares because he's opposed to bank branch closures in Australia, if that's what Aspie's saying, (laughs) then does that mean, um, uh, does that follow that because Aspie is funded by the US government, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, doesn't care, in fact, wants Banks to close branches in regional Australia wants the people of Inglewood to lose all banking services in the next few months. All the people of Mitchell, all the people of Woolgoolga, all the ones that were announced this week. Does Joe Biden does, does Joe Biden want you to lose your banking services? Does Joe Biden back Australia's big four banks in shutting down banking services? How flippin' ridiculous are you, McCarthy? You are lunatics. Aspie, and that is what they are. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I read about... McCarthyism. And I read about the witch hunts in the 50s mm. and how anybody with the so- look sideways at something 
like anyone who was even remotely friendly to Russians because they just like a, a returned serviceman mm. from World War II who knew that Russia had been America's allies. They were immediately tainted as you're a commie. Are you a member? Of, have, are you or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? And I'm reading about this and thinking, man, people look. Look how crazy people can get. Glad we're not in that period. We're back and Aspie's brought us back and they want to take anything to do with China and what they're actually hoping, this is particularly pernicious because what they're actually hoping to do is by saying that these are Chinese bots and they're somehow amplifying our campaigns and, and the way they've presented it is they've mentioned us but they've mentioned the campaigns separately to us. So they're actually saying, it's not just by... by Virtue of amplifying the citizens' party, they're also amplifying their campaigns. And they haven't even said that. They've said these Chinese bots are amplifying this campaign mm. against bank branch closures. They want those snivelling cowards in that building in Canberra who are right now paying attention to this bank branches campaign, who know the public are concerned about it, who are starting to realise maybe we should be doing something about this. They want, because they know they're snivelling cowards, they want them to hear, the Chinese government is somehow behind this campaign against bank branch closures. Mm -hmm. We better shut it down. We better stop it. That's what Aspie's trying to do here, right? They want to be able to have exert that kind of power on this subject. And then um, because it's us, and why us? Well, why us for a reason? Our party has been the only institution in Australia there's been lots of individuals, but we have led it. We have been the one institution in Australia that has fought Aspie every step of the way. We have denounced them for seven or eight years. Going back to um, our occasional co-host here, Richard Barden, I remember in 2016 when the census failed, the first time we had an online census, that failed on election night. And it turned out it was because someone didn't plug in a flipping modem mm. or a router or something. Right? That's why it failed. But Peter Jennings, the, the then boss of Aspie, who was the man who a decade earlier, 13 years earlier, had talked John Howard into invading Iraq with the argument, not because they had WMDs or anything like that, but because we have to stay solid with the US alliance. And now here's the head of Aspie in 2016, funded by the United States State Department, funded by the biggest and worst weapons manufacturers in the world, right? especially American and British ones. He said, China hacked the census. China hacked the census. Mm. China hacked the census. And he went around for months saying, China hacked the census. And, it's a and it was ridiculous. Look, there's no, like, it was so far from the truth, it wasn't funny. But he knew he didn't have to prove anything because what they were doing is laying a foundation of making everyone so paranoid about everything Chinese that they can make any claim they like and no one's asking for evidence, mm -hmm. right? This is what Aspie has done day in, day out under the funding of the American government. So they are... The ones, they're, they're in this article accusing us of being a channel for Chinese foreign interference in Australia. They, Aspie, are the channel for foreign interference in this country. They are the reason that our biggest and best trading partner, from whom we make so much money, $120 billion clear profit every year from our trade with China, they've now got us, our politicians, talking about going to war against them. Mm -hmm. They've done that, right? And this time, though, Elisa, they've overplayed their hand because... All you people out there who've been supporting us on this campaign, just take really seriously where they want this to go. Mm. They want this to go to mm. be able to shut down a campaign like this 
and shut down the Citizens Party. Yeah, and in addition to that, they are building the climate to get this new legislation, uh, this um, yep. Combating Misinformation and Disinformation Bill, passed. And I want to give a bit of a picture of the background because... Um, we've talked on the show recently, as this legislation has raised its head again, about uh, our interventions from the period immediately after 9-11, when yep. there was a whole host of the now hundred or more pieces of legislation. They began rolling through the parliament and being passed, and you know both sides of politics let this all go through. There was basically an open sluice for this. Um, and I want to come to the period around 2016, 2017 through to 2019 just to give people a little reminder um, of this drive to censorship which we're facing the, the finale of now. So in June 2018, and this was the first time the Chinese interference was raised formally, we had passage of the National Security Legislation Amendment, the Espionage and Foreign Interference Act. So that was mid-2018. By the end of that year, this had broadened and expanded to the passage of the Assistance and Access Act under the Telecommunications Act in 2018. And this was commonly referred to as the encryption laws because it allowed our intelligence agencies to bypass encryption protocols, even then, to allow unprecedented spying and hacking. Um, and the power, they, the intelligence agencies were given the power to compel Australian citizens to assist them. So there were stories coming out about how you would have to uh, open, uh, provide passwords yep. if you were asked for uh, information by intelligence agencies. And, and not just citizens, corporations. Corporations have to assist the intelligence agencies on, on this kind of material. And why that's significant is because that's a 2018 law that passed. The whole Huawei thing, that was one of the other um, attacks on China. Yes. Huawei, right? Why, why we have to ban Huawei. Huawei is going to spy on our system. And, and the people who push this, like Senator James Patterson and Greg Sheridan, the Australian, every time they're asked, they keep saying, well, China has a law that's... And they used national to tick, security tick, TikTok law. as well. China has a national security law that says the companies in China have to comply with the demands of the Chinese government. Yep. Well, guess what? We did. We have exactly the... We they made first. it sound like China had this as a special law because yep. it's communist China. No, we have the same law. As for the first one you mentioned before you go on, the, national, the Espionage and Foreign Interference Act... There's two people now in jail awaiting trial under that act. One is a poor Viet, old Vietnamese guy here in Melbourne yeah. who was accused of that for, for wanting to donate like $35,000 to the children's hospital. And one is this um, bloke in Sydney who uh, uh, he wrote a report for Chinese people, all open source, all from stuff online. Mm. He wrote a report for, and he's now in solitary confinement in Sydney, and when mm. his lawyer, Bernard Caleri, who's also Doug, Dan Duggan's lawyer, we'll come back, uh, and, and um, um, uh, Bernard Caleri was the lawyer for Lawyer X as well, Citizen um, Witness X, Witness K, sorry, forgive me, Witness K. Um, when, when Bernard Caleri drove from Canberra to Sydney to meet this guy, his client, he wasn't allowed in the jail, mm. right? So these are two people that have been, you know, that we talk about how China treats people, yeah. right? We're treating them like Dan Duggan in solitary confinement, under that law that passed in 2018. And so much for rooting out Chinese foreign interference, if that's what we found. Yeah. Um, so then April 2019, we had the sharing of Abhorrent Violent Material Act 
That was passed right after the Christchurch massacre yeah. in reaction to that, and then that led into what we referenced the <clears> other <throat> week, which was the Jacinda Ardern, Emmanuel Macron Christchurch call, which again pushed censorship of social media. So this was rolling on from which, that time. Which we questioned at the time simply by saying, look, well, no, no one in that, no reasonable person in the world is going to defend yeah. live streaming a massacre on Facebook. But when you write a law that gives the government's power to censor stuff, who gets to define what is harmful? Yeah. Now, from 2017, the AFP, the Australian Federal Police, were routinely using new national security laws to spy on journalists. Remember all the stories that were coming out about the metadata and how journalists' metadata could be accessed to find out what stories they were um, uh, going to be writing and what information they were receiving yeah. from people, from sources and so forth. And by 2019, this was a full-blown war against whistleblowers and any journalist that dared to publish their stories, to make examples of them. Um, and this included uh, reporting of 2017 Australian Tax Office whistleblower Richard Boyle, uh, who had exposed in the public interest the aggressive pressure that the Australian Taxation Office was putting on debtors to the point yep. some of them were threatening suicide and whatnot. Um, by July 2017, you had the story about possible war crimes in Afghanistan and ABC journalists, um, the ABC was being contacted to provide fingerprints of their journalists to the AFP at that point. And, of course, that then later led into the right. story... Uh, of, well, I was going to mention David McBride on the Afghanistan subject, which has been a subject that we've talked about a lot on the show as well. David McBride's leak led to the, Af the Afghan files story and then the ABC got raided for that Afghan yeah, files story. exactly. And so, and then in June 2019, um, of course, you know, and again, this is probably in many people's minds already forgotten about, but remember News Corp journalist Anika Smithhurst's home was raided um, you know, in a quite a stunning fashion um, because she had exposed the plans for the Australian Signals Directorate to spy on Australians. And this was all part of this censorship and we've got to do this in the interest of national security and so forth, which both parties, Labor yep. and Liberal, were going along with. Now, then, um, for some reason, they, the AFP, when they raided Annika Smith's home, they were interested in her underwear drawer and all that kind of stuff. It was, mm. it was all salacious garbage. But that, that, at the end of that year, in the first hearing of the um, inquiry into the cash ban legislation, Senator Rex Patrick um, revealed something quite interesting because, you know, I've got some journalist numbers on my phone, right? You, you, nowadays with mobile phones, everyone saves everyone's numbers. If you're a politician, you've got a lot more than I do. Mm. So... He, he revealed um, that following those raids on the ABC and Annika Smithhurst, the, the few hundred journalists on his phone all switched to the, the, the encrypted app Signal hmm. because they suddenly became very afraid, not of the Russians, not of the Chinese, of the Australian Federal Police and the Australian government. Hmm. That's, the, that's the press corps in Canberra now. They live in fear of their own government and you think they're telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, even more concerning than all of those particulars is the overarching drive here and that it was not being dictated by Australian intelligence agencies or bureaucrats in um, Home Affairs Department 
or Australian politicians, but uh, the overseers of our intelligence agencies being the Five Eyes apparatus, which are the intelligence agencies of the US, the UK, Canada, Australia and New Zealand. And under the um, threat of terrorism, which then later evolved into the threat of foreign actors such as China and Russia, um, they were pushing for what um, was described as a transnational model of security, where you have to have some overseeing group, no actual nation itself, looking at the bigger picture globally to prevent or to protect the security of any one nation. Now, um, Mike Petzullo, the Secretary of the Department of Home Affairs, the the inaugural one after it was first established, um, and he was the one who was planning um, what was revealed by Anika Smithhurst, the Australian Signals Director at Spying on Australians, because they could only spy overseas and they were trying to push to have this operating domestically. Mike Mike Petzullo is one of those people that when you see him in person... If you feel like the temperature has dropped, mm. and you, you can you can hear you can hear the music. He's a very sinister character, and, and he's been there forever. He actually was one of the key instigators of the Home Affairs Department um, under Kim Be- Kim Bomber Beasley's government yep. when he was a, a key um, bureaucrat there and through. Well, he was the chief of staff to Beasley. But he, but he, he, he initiated the, de- the department under Peter Dutton. Yeah, that's right. And so he pushed for it for a long time before it eventually came about in 2017 under Peter um, Malcolm Turnbull, I should say. Um, so this was the idea was to have a super ministry that would oversee security, and yep. Turnbull also ushered in the Office of National Intelligence which was an intelligence agency to see over, oversee the several different intelligence agencies. And Turnbull described that as a single point of coordination with the Five Eyes, working with the Five Eyes. But anyway, Mike Pazzullo, um, in the lead-up to the Five Eyes ministerial meeting that took place in 2018 on the Gold Coast, which are top-secret meetings, by the way. There's no reporting that takes place of these meetings and mm. what happens there. In the lead-up to that, he spilt the beans on this push for the transnational model of security at an international summit on borders that happened in Washington, D.C. in um, two months earlier before this August Gold Coast meeting. And he said, we need a transnational model of security with pacts that supersede national borders, which would effectively be, he didn't use this terminology, but it would be a global intelligence Superstate or police state, you could call it. He did say, in these words, that security has been dealt with previously with within jurisdiction, i.e., within you know um, each country. But he said this is no longer the view held by the Five Eyes partners, and he demanded the quote transformation of the state, meaning the governing apparatus of any nation, requiring a reorganisation of the idea of government itself, basically, and that sometimes governments, he said, and the state should be less visible. And to do this, he foreshadowed new, tell me if you've heard this before, values, norms and legal constructs, right? The so-called rules-based order has created many of them out of thin air, which they then expect the whole world to agree with, and if they don't, then they transgress the rules-based order and they're in the... In, in the doghouse. Yeah. Um, and Pizzullo insisted that 
quote, unity of command, clarity of authority and singularity of purpose needed to be hardwired into our security architecture. Multinational security architecture. That's right, this transnational vision. Um, And following on this um, assertion from the Five Eyes, you then had a whole series of things. You had a CHOGM, which is the Commonwealth Heads of Government Summit, which would broaden out collaboration with Five Eyes and the Commonwealth countries. You had the Cyber UK conference in 2019 where the head of GCHQ, Jeremy Fleming, which is the British spy agency, called for the building of a wider set of stakeholders to work with the Five Eyes. And this kind of thing continued. Of course, today it's now been integrated with AUKUS and with a whole series of NATO plus alliances and various pacts which is constructing this kind of global security apparatus. But, but, but um, the Five Eyes is actually the heart of it. So, yes. So in, in NATO, for instance, take NATO, you've got the US and the United Kingdom are just two countries out of however many, 20 to 30, whatever there are now, right? Um, and, you know, America is the dominant partner, of course, because it's, it's the one that provides most of the security. But the, the, the Anglosphere subset of that they're trying to strengthen now by making, oh, Canada, sorry, Canada's also in there. So you've got Canada, the United States and the United Kingdom. They want to bring Australia and, and New Zealand in as partners to, to strengthen the, the, the Anglosphere part of that, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So that, because the other countries, they tend to, they tend to um, have occasionally uh, independent reactions to things, right? So the Germans now are wondering how long they're going to sacrifice their economy to support Nazis in Ukraine. Um, the French... They hate doing anything that just you know means bowing the knees to the Brits anyway, right? Mm. Um, so they, they always have this more independent streak. So they're trying to um, because the, the Five Eyes apparatus, which is which they created in World War Two, mm. and, and well, especially straight after World War Two, that is the core of this transnational s- exactly. system, right? Mm. So it's not it was never going to be it's not going to be global in this because they know the the whole globe is not going to sign up to this, but they want. They want one system that governs Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, United Kingdom, mm. and we all sign up to that, yeah. you know. And we had a symbol of that this, this week, Elisa, when yeah. um, they launched a ship, um, the USS Canberra, which is named after, um, there was, a, well, it's, it's actually named after the city of Canberra, but um, this is an American ship. In World War II, there was a HMAS Canberra that, that sank, and in honour of that ship, another at the time in World War II, Americans named their ship USS Canada. It was just an honor, an honor of it. But America didn't control us in World War II. Mm. They now control us. So they launched this ship. Austell, the Australian ship company, built it apparently over there in California. When they launched it, they put up this, <laughs> they had this display of essentially a cardboard cut out of a kangaroo coloured in the American flag colours. We'll put it up on the screen. They've, bra- they've branded our national symbol in the American flag colours. And they think that we would have liked that. That's the, the, right? the equivalent of us saying, will we get a star in the US yeah, flag? That's right. Really, it's, the other week. It's, it's, it's total branding. But this is, this is fascism. This is a fascist structure that they have used these things to set up. So we've just talked, we started this conversation talking about Aspie fingering us mm. to say they must be brought in under that structure, including the element of social media censorship. But Aspie's role, Lisa, you could, you're, you're just about to go through... Aspie is very important in this whole picture because its demonization of China has yeah. been essential to this because they only get to do this because they get to make us all afraid of an enemy yes. uh, that they're protecting us from. 
it's very important, and, and this was McCarthyism and so forth, to have an enemy image to be able to spearhead something like this um, this censorship bill, right? Because yeah. people aren't going to accept it otherwise. And um, so the construction of China as an image somewhat took over from terrorism, that kind of amorphous somewhat. threat. China's much, much <laughs> clearer, well, definitely took over. Um, China's a much clearer, especially Xi Jinping, that was a real um, focal point of it. But um, yes, it's, it's essential to have an enemy. And uh, a paper that was issued, which I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, at the end of the Cold War talked about dismantling such an enemy image, which is quite an operation to do. Mm. And in reference to that, they had a, a chapter on the internal implications. Of, so the, of, the paper's called The Image of the Enemy in the Process of Change. Yes, issued in 1988. That was by a Russian and an American academic working together they on that. They co-wrote to, this to both to reflect on what happened in the, the side tensions. of countries. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they had a chapter on the internal implications of enemy image, and I just want to read it. It says, The image of the enemy is not only very dangerous for the stability and security of international relations, but leads to highly negative consequences for the domestic life of countries. This happens because the hysteria about the outer threat is often used as justification for secrecy and suspicion, covert actions, policies creating mobilised societies, artificial national unity, witch hunts and policies suppressing dissent, all ignoring domestic problems and distracting attention from them. By projecting the blame for these on the enemy, each side protects his own self-esteem from the realisation that it has been unable to solve its own problems. And especially in a crisis point like today... That's exactly what they need. No, that, you, you couldn't get a, a more accurate uh, summary from 1988 of exactly what we're living... Because, you know, that was the year before the wall came down. Mm. That was the year where everyone said, OK, we don't have a Cold War anymore. Um, good. The, the future looks brighter. And, you know, um, Malcolm Fraser, who we got to work closely with, um, he was one of the, the world statesmen saying, well, the Cold War's over NATO has no logic for existence. Mm. We should disband NATO. We don't need that kind of structure anymore. Let's all get along together. We should have that approach. But instead, mm. the people, especially the neocons in, in America and Britain, who want to maintain... They, they said, no, no, well, what we're going to do now is take this opportunity to make sure we have a, future, we have a world forever under the sole domination of one country or one country and its allies, which mm. is the Anglo-American superstate, right? And... That's our policy, mm-hmm. and we will do everything we can to crush any role, any rival. Mm-hmm. And while they were doing that, they haven't been able to crush a rival. Um, China didn't. China doesn't want to be a rival, but it was always going to make itself richer country. Mm-hmm. Right? It wants to raise its people out of out of poverty, mm-hmm. and in, in the act of raising its people out of poverty, it's become richer. And so that's just sent the Americans and Brits into a tailspin that they now have a rival and they're determined... Well, one of, the, one of the pieces of logic behind their actions is, and people like Mearsheimer, John Mearsheimer, have pointed this out, these people in their desperation think they have a window of opportunity now mm-hmm. to engage China in a war at, at a time when they fantasise they may be able to beat it mm. because if they wait 10 or 20 years, they'll never beat it. Mm. And we are, this is insane thinking. This is a recipe for nuclear catastrophe. Yet we are being softened up by Aspie through these through these various propaganda um, uh, you know outpourings it does now targeting us specifically because we're the one organisation that calls them out um, 
to go along with this and mm. destroy ourselves as a nation in said war. Yes. Now back to the extraordinary implication of this whole narrative that somehow this results in Joe Biden wanting to protect Australian <laughs> banks. Our second subject is crackdown on banks that continue to defy Parliament because NAB has announced more branch closures, which you've foreshadowed somewhat this yeah. week. Well, look, two weeks ago, the 12th of July, Daniel Molino, Dr Daniel Molino, the chair of the House Economics Committee, looked at Ross McEwen from NAB and Rachel Slade, um, his, his executive, Ross McEwen's the CEO, and said, what's your numbers of visitations to bank branches that aren't for deposits and withdrawal transactions? I'm sh he said, I'm sure you keep records on that. And Ross McEwen, um, who I won't go, I wish I could go off on a tangent and rant about him, but I won't for the sake of time. Ross McEwen, knowing the answer, he clearly knew the answer, gutless wonder, he sat back, he sat back and said, I'll, I'll, let my, I'll let Rachel Slade answer that. Mm. And Rachel Slade, and we'll put the, uh, Martin, we'll just run Martin North's footage on this. This is what she said about visitations to branches. We ran it last week, we ran yeah. it again. Visitations to branches that aren't about deposits and withdrawals, all the other types of visits. Like, I mean, how many interactions are there of a different nature? Um, and I, I imagine, you know, you'd probably record that, all the different kinds of things people do when they come in. Some of that will be recorded and some of it won't, but I'll pass to Rachel because Rachel has the information, it's her network and she sees what's coming in and out every day. But yeah. uh, maybe the, if you can um, take... it's, a, it's a great question. And those, those interactions that aren't, um, don't result in a transaction, they're actually very challenging to, to measure. Um, we don't measure them. Um, we don't measure them. Um, we don't measure them. We don't measure that, hmm. right? In other words, as Dale Webster pointed out, that means they have they have been sending around these fact sheets to all these branches, including the four that we're going to go through now, and they've said to every one of them, we are closing you because visit, visitations to the branch have declined. Mm. Yet they have admitted they do not measure it because they can't measure it, Elisa. Mm. Unless they have someone on the door with a clicker, the only way they can get their data is by accessing their computers and the transactions on the computers from that branch. So all the other reasons you go into branch, which is to update your credit card signature or, or any other signature or do stuff to do with power of attorney or... Um, uh, opening a new account. Opening a new account, a will, you know, being the executive of a will, wrapping up estates, all sorts of stuff. I mean, people have told me how difficult all this stuff is yeah. and they've got to go in the branch. Or now the big one is you have trouble online banking, you call up the hotline and they say, go to the branch to sort it out. And there's a, there's a lot, there's more and more people going to branches for that reason than probably any other now, right? And NAB's not counting it. And you know if, that, if NAB's not counting it, CBA's not counting it, ANZ's not counting it, Westpac's not counting it because they can't count it. So they're only using this one narrow measure to, to back up their claim of branch visitations have fallen, which means they're lying. That's what came out of that hearing two weeks ago. Yet what they've done, NAB has shut 30 branches this year. Now, we're singling out NAB because when the, when the current inquiry into bank branch closures convened, the chair and all the members, Matt Canavan and all the members, sent a letter to all the banks saying, please pause any more branch closures this year pending the outcome of this inquiry. All the banks to varying degrees, responded by saying, yes, we will respect your opinion. I won't go through all the, de the details, the variations, but 
CBA was the most compliant and the others less so, but they're all compliant to a degree. NAV was just openly defiant and said, no, we're going to continue with our program. And they've gone and shut 30 branches. Before this week, they'd shut 30 this year. And now this week, they've announced four more. Kyogle in the Northern Rivers region. Woolgulga, um, same federal electorate actually, which is the electorate of Page. This is the last bank in town, um, Northern New South Wales. Close on, they're both going to close on 19th of October. Uh, and then two in the electorate of uh, Maranoa in Queensland, Inglewood. Another last bank in town, Mitchell in Queensland, another last bank in town. Now, Inglewood, the people of Inglewood are going to have a 140-kilometre round trip mm. for, to, to, go, to go find another bank. The people in Mitchell are a two-hour round trip to go find another bank. And as like, be mad at the bank, be mad at NAB, be furious at NAB, and go and express your tell. Don't, don't express it to the teller. Tell the teller you support them keeping their job, Right? But tell the teller to tell their bosses mm. that you're mad at this kind of the way NAB is treating Australia with contempt. But be be madder at the politicians. Why are they this sitting on their hands, especially now the, 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 the truth is out that they lied about branch visitations declining? Why are they sitting on their hands and allowing NAB to just pull the rug out from under regional Australia on this massive scale? The bank that last year, 2022, produced this glossy colour report called a land of opportunity, boasting how much money they're making from regional Australia. Boasting about it. Mm. This is, because once they, you know, I mean, they should have stopped because then the inquiry might be able to recommend at the end of the year, no more of this, etc. Um, so that's what's happened. And this is what ASPI's trying to run interference on now. Yeah. Right? The fact that we've highlighted this and, and the fact we have a solution. What's our solution? Take, take on these banks at their own game. Set up a public bank. We could have the biggest retail bank in Australia overnight that operates through all post offices, yep. which have, there's more of those than all branches combined. And we can have these banks screaming at, in their boardrooms, right? Totally freaked out knowing they're going to have to start competing properly now. That's the solution. Mm. So put the heat on your, on your member of parliament about that. We'll tell them if you, if you, get, if you start watching this as of Friday night, um, call them next week and uh, say Robbie Barwick and Glenn Isherwood are in, are in Canberra. Yes, perfect. Um, they've asked to meet with you. You should contact them back and meet with mm, them. Absolutely. You might get swamped. You never know. Yep. <laughs> now, another issue on which we need to build the heat on Canberra for Assange, Duggan and more. Show some gumption, PM. <laughs> now, we're, that is a quote from Laurie Oakes. The big guns. <laughs> who tweeted... Um, that was his tweet. He tweeted in reaction to an article, which I'll give you a sense of, um, that was written by Bob Carr, the former Foreign Affairs Minister and Premier of New South Wales, uh, this week. And, yeah, Laurie Oakes simply said, time to show some gumption, PM, in reaction to that article. Um, Carr, Bob Carr was actually citing uh, a review that was published by the Lowy Institute of everything that we, that Australia has done for the United States lately, which is a, just a stunning array of things that we've gifted them, basically. And Carr said, as a consequence of that, he said, look, if Albo fought for it, I don't believe the president can shake his head and say, nope, given all we have gifted, the potent symbolism of B-52s, nuclear subs and bases on the east and west coast, 
it would look like we have sunk into the role of US territory as much as a dependency as Guam or Puerto Rico. And he went on to say, if Assange walks out the gates of Belmarsh into the arms of his wife and children, it will show we are worth a crumb or two off the table of the Imperium. If it's a van to the airport, then making ourselves a more likely target has conferred no standing at all. We are a client state almost officially. And what he means by a van to the airport is the extra... If, if Assange instead is extradited to the United States... I mean, look, it's getting to the... See, what provoked some of this was this week Albo was at a doorstop or something where, again, he was asked about Assange. And his reaction... I think we're learning about Albo that um, he is the he is a reflection politician. He only looked good in comparison to a pretty scummy prime minister, <laughs> yeah. Scott Morrison, a, dis, a rather despicable That's nice prime of minister. You. Pretty scummy, pretty a despicable. Rather, a, a rather despicable <laughs> prime. Like I, you know, I think Scott Morrison's worst prime minister Australia ever had. Um, that made Albo, by comparison, look good. Mm. But when you now have to deal with Albo on his own, mm. Mr. Albanese on his own, um, he is he's either uh, the, de- the ultimate empty suit or he's so terrified of his own shadow and, and getting into trouble that he is absolutely useless as a political leader, right? Because he won't do anything that a, 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 a Labor leader especially... Should do any leader, but especially a Labor leader, should do so. He whined. He was asked about Assange, and he whined in response. And he said, um, "Oh, we can't something like we can't force them." And right there is the problem. This is why Bob Carr want bet? is yeah. saying, "What are you talking about?" Right? You get get it in your head. This relationship we have with them, mm-hmm. you should be saying to them, "You need us more than we need you." And if you're not going to buck the U.S. alliance, Mr. Prime Minister, you at least use it to get this outcome that you claim you want. Mm. You don't call up Joe and say, "Oh, Joe, um, are you having a good day? I mean, you're with us today. You don't have, you know, you're not having a bad dementia patch or whatever." Because you know, yesterday or two days ago, Joe Biden claimed he'd cured cancer. <laughs> Actually, Mr. Producer, if you've if we've got time. Stick that, that clip in right now that Joe Biden claimed he cured cancer. Yeah, the guy's a loopy. Uh, cure cancer. They looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why. And we can. We end the cancer as we know it. So, um, but Elbow calls him up and say, oh, you know, it would, could you, what do you think about letting Assange go? And what does he get? Just nope. Right? No, that's not, that's not how you would do it. You demand. You say, listen, pal, get him out. This is enough is enough. We are, you, you value us as an ally. Stop treating us like garbage. But you know the kind of mentality that doesn't do that? And I hate to use this term, I'm not, and I'm not doing it lightly. It's, it's a version, it's like battered wife syndrome, right? That you will eat absolute rubbish from your partner because for some reason your sense of identity and security is contained within that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what um, elbow. And his generation of political leaders are acting like, right? It's, it's, a, it's a political version of battered wife syndrome. And what they're finding is the more they do to ingratiate themselves, the more they get treated with absolute contempt. And this stupid kangaroo 
with the American flag was like the Americans just throwing us a trinket as if that's somehow something we'd like. Oh, the Americans have given us the, mm-hmm. the benefit of, of, of colouring one of our root, a picture of a kangaroo with the American mm. flag, right? So get, get really angry about this because um, it's, not just, it's, spil- it's not just Assange anymore. No, no. There was a, a, hearing, a court hearing this week to set the date for the extradition decision in the case of Daniel Duggan, who's yep. the top gun pilot accused of training Chinese pilots, again, back to the old enemy image, um, which was all, and we talked about it last week, so if you want the details, go to the show. Dan Duggan, Lisa, is a victim of Aspie. It's only because of this Aspie, yeah, Aspie right. created enemy image about China, right, that he's in jail, not just in jail, he's been rotting in solitary confinement. Yeah, well, and this was made pretty clear, the whole, you know, overarching relation, U.S., Anglo-American, or I should say um, Australian-American special relationship that you were just referring to um, and how that's coloured this whole case was raised on Sky News when um, a lawyer and family advocate, Glenn Colomites, was interviewed on the day that this hearing took place. And we'll show a clip of this, but he... He made that very clear that because Stefanovic had raised the fact that the US Secretary of State and Defence were in town breathing down our necks and Colomites responded referring to the the alliance diplomacy going on with AUKUS being the all-prevailing topic. So we'll just run that clip. Lawyer, veteran and uh, Duggan family advocate Glenn Colomites. Glenn's actually on his way to court this morning. Uh, to see this case, and uh, he's kindly pulled over for us while he's on his way. Glenn, appreciate your time this morning. Uh, have you managed to talk to Daniel lately? How's he doing? I'm, I'm curious. I spoke to uh, Dan last night from, from Lithgow during one of our 10-minute uh, limited phone calls, and, uh, look, needless to say, he's uh, he's pretty stressed, mate, um, pending today's uh, stay application, but... Uh, you know, he's next Marine, mate, and he's got an inbuilt, I'm an ex-soldier, right? So I can see he's got an inbuilt resilience, but yeah. that resilience only goes so far. 217 days, Kenny just mentioned there in Lithgow. What does he say about conditions? Mate, um, look, the, the corrective staff have been pretty pretty good. And I've been up there a couple of times now, you know, for hours at a time to talk to him, and they've been pretty good. But look, it's been, it was cold up there. He's been in isolation. It's only just got exercise privileges now so we can go out to a little triangular yard and run around for you know a certain amount of time each day so there's got a bit of colour back in his face at least but look it's not ideal it's far from ideal mate and uh you know his treatment being locked up in this matter is just oh it's disgraceful mate the extradition act is, is a disgrace right. much regard it's well, a the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll cut you off there because that's my that's my next point, Glenn. You know, you, you're you're, yeah. you're well educated in this matter. You're you're a lawyer. You know, you're a veteran as well. Uh, so again, well involved. Why? I mean, he's got some serious charges to answer here: conspiracy, arms trafficking, as well as money laundering. Has he got to answer them? Mate, these um, I've been through this indictment over and I've torn it apart. And you know, the old the old saying that the U.S. grand jury will indict a ham sandwich. It really it really holds true in this case. It, it looks as though the U.S. attorney who is prosecuting this has just thrown in uh, the money laundering to make it uh, to look like there's some sort of dual criminality between Australia and the U.S. because nothing else stacks right. up. But, but he was getting paid. Fact, pay, but he was getting paid, right, to, to train those pilots. He was getting paid to train um, Chinese test pilots in South Africa, and that money he declared through his. Um, at salary, that money he was paid, he declared through his accountants in Tasmania. So, look, it's all 
there's no money laundering there at all. It's all uh, it's all totally accounted for. And uh, again, the US will throw money laundering and conspiracy into these sorts of indictments to try and make it look like there's a uh, an ounce of uh, of dual criminality to this. But uh, mate, okay. it's the bad case. Given given our close relationship with the United States, given the Secretary of State is going to be here this week, the Secretary of Defense is going to be here this week. Uh, you know, basically America's breathing down our neck. I mean, do you, what do you think yeah. of, of the chance? And they want him, right? So so what do you, what are our chances of keeping him here? Look, mate, this, this is a really hard fight, but it's a fight that needs fighting. Um, we're in the middle of some real alliance diplomacy at the moment with AUKUS and, as you say, uh, visiting American senior people. But this is, we're starting to see what, what lapdog diplomacy, the sort of lapdog diplomacy we saw uh, around our involvement in Iraq, and that concerns me because... Uh, I'm a big supporter of the US-Australia Strategic Alliance, but, you know, not, not at the expense of an Australian family, mate, and that's what it's starting to look like to me now. Can you get a fair trial? I mean, we just heard from him there during Kenny's Cross. He was worried about not getting one. Mate, he can't. Even having a look at the indictment, the grand jury looked at the indictment. It mentions conspiracy 178 times and the word China. The grand jury said, oh, clearly there's a case. So clearly there's not, I have to say. What chance does he have in front of a jury in D.C., mate, when they... When the, uh, the attorney is, the, the AG, the US AG is prepared to throw in the word conspiracy alongside the word China. It's inflammatory and made well, judge, dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. A, ju- a judge here has got to commit to the extradition though, right? Can, can, can the judge realistically say no and throw it out? Mate, they, um, under the extradition treaty, Australia is not to try and prove anything. The, all, all the US has to do is say, here's the indictment. Tick the boxes and uh, and off we go. So the evidence isn't tested here. Actually, Elisa, the fact that Stefanovic did say that, he basically said with with the US Secretary of State Blinken and the Secretary of Defence Lloyd Austin coming to town, and the the hearing was on Tuesday, right? He said, um, do you think you're going to get a... Well, whatever, however he said it, you know, that... Basically, he was he was saying, "Look, you can't expect this to go your way." What he's actually meaning by that, I mean, he's just saying that casually off the top of his head. But but it's come from it comes from a belief, mm. and in Peter Stefanovic's belief, he's admitting mm. that we know our legal system, which is supposed to be separate from government, the third tier of government, right, independent, right, and impartial, mm. is not. Yeah. Right. That they, that this outcome will be a political outcome. That's what he's well, actually admitting by that. Absolutely. And one of the other things that uh, Colomites said in perhaps another interview was that the extradition request is very unlikely to be rejected because it mentions China, and it mentions conspiracy no less than 178 times. And in any case, he explained that in um, that court decision on extradition, there's no testing of evidence. So. Australia doesn't go and check all those claims yep. and look at the evidence nor get to see the evidence or anything like that. It's basically just tick and flick. They put the request, we tick the box or we don't. Yep. So, yes, this matter is very serious. You've got a man stuck in solitary confinement for over 200 days now and another 120 or so more until the date the of other, that extradition decision. Yeah, and the other point that Colomites um, made is that in response... It was actually quite a lot of good coverage this week yeah. um, because around the court hearing. And, you know, your heart... And can I say um, to the to the viewer, we'll put the link below. Go to their page. Mm. The family needs support. Yes. They've actually had to sell a house 
to deal, they live on a farm, but they had another house. They've had to sell the house um, to deal with this already. It's hugely expensive, of course. Um, this has just destroyed their life, right? I mean, he drops the kids off at school, goes to Woolies, walks out, and is arrested by the Australian Federal Police for something that he had done, um, that he's, for, he's accused that the accusations around something that happened 10 years earlier mm. when we weren't at war with China. Um, we should listen to Dan Duggan. Yeah. So we'll play, we'll play the clip. He was interviewed, yeah. Yeah, ABC mm. 7.30 got to talk to him. And, and this was a risk for Dan because um, uh, everything can, he says can be used in court against him. But yeah. he's open, he's transparent. And li- he knows, listen to his version of it. He, he can't give you all the details. It's not about all the details. But this is his understanding of where things are at and why he's fighting um, so hard. And I strenuously reject the in its entirety. If you are innocent, why not go to the US and contest the charges? Um, I think the chances uh, of getting a, a fair trial um, are slim to none. I'm living a nightmare, and, and every day I wake up um, thinking that, oh my God, that was an absolutely horrible, horrible nightmare. And then I open my eyes and realize that the nightmare is not just a nightmare, it's reality. As I realize that where I am is real. As I was walking out of the worst, I get pounced on by two plainclothes AFP police officers. By that afternoon, I was in what I can only describe as a modern day dungeon classified as an extreme high-risk restricted inmate, wearing an orange jumpsuit, handcuffed around my ankles and my and my wrist. It's been horrible. The truth of it is, is that there was nothing wrong. I went as an employee with other Western pilots, including other Australians, and trained civilian Chinese test pilots. Were any of those test pilots from the Chinese military? Uh, no, they were, they were civilian test pilots. Now, I'm in prison and no one else is. And I'm, I'm happy that no one else is because they shouldn't be because it was no law broken. Did you teach aircraft carrier takeoff and landing procedures to Chinese pilots? I think the, the better question is, with all due respect, is that uh, was there any training that went on that was illegal? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. The test pilots are, uh, particularly advanced test pilots, are doing training for all sorts of things that are at the sort of at the extremes of aviation, such as stall and spin recovery. There was no, and I repeat. There was no secret information or, or, or propriety information. It's all public domain, open source information that anybody, if they're interested to, could Google it or look it up on Wikipedia. So now all of a sudden that's laundering money. And money was paid into bank accounts uh, in my name and uh, declared on my taxes. I think um, if you want to hide payments, uh, you, you don't declare them on your taxes. This is a signal, signal sending, and uh, the 
it has nothing to do with me personally. It's it's more to do with the signal that they want to send in a geopolitical sense. The family is under a lot of duress. You know, it's a scary process for a young child to see, you know, prison guards locking doors and gates. And um, it's just not a very nice environment uh, for them to be seeing razor wire. And, you know, they're, they're very confused by it. It's very difficult to explain to them why their father uh, can't come home. I absolutely fell in love with every part of the country and every aspect of it, the Australian people. And I, in turn, became Australian. The fact that I, I am only an Australian citizen now is not because I'm anti-American, it's more so that I am pro-Australian. The U.S. has absolutely nothing to lose in this. I'm gonna be in debt millions of dollars. Innocent until proven guilty. Duggan faces a maximum 65 years in a U.S. jail if he's found guilty. It's a death penalty, uh, is what that is at, at my age. I've never had any trouble with the law my entire life. I'm a real person. I'm not some scoundrel, bad person that's done some horrible thing. I've done nothing wrong. Yeah, and he's... Um graciousness was very noticeable too, referring to the fact that none of his colleagues that did the same thing are in prison. But as he said, I don't want them to be here either. And a lot of, because we covered this last week, Elisa, and a lot of what's come out now, I wish we had more time to go through it, but you know, his commanding officer has come out and said what a great patriot he was, right? This was an American commanding officer that, you know, like he put his life on the line, he was a highly skillful job. He put his life on the line, he had to fly in all kinds of weather conditions, etc. And he was always the most reliable guy in the unit. So his commanding officers come out with a with a um, a big um, you know character reference for him. Um, they're all shocked that that he's being that he's being uh, victimised in this way. We put out a release that compared what was being done to him with with having his head put on a pike, like in the old medieval time. Mm. He's there as a warning to everyone to scare them away on this question of anything to do with China, etc. But this is an Australian family now yep. that's being destroyed by this, right? Um, and Colomites made the point in another interview that he's because of the publicity, he's been um, he's a former army major. He's been contacted by Australian veterans all around the country who are outraged at this. And they're now, he said, this is questioning, this is shaking their, their um, support for AUKUS. This, if, if we can, he says, he mm-hmm. personally said, speaking on his behalf, Colomite said that he supports the US strategic alliance, but not at the expense of this family. Now people are questioning AUKUS. And, and if that's the silver lining in the cloud, good, because they should be questioning well, AUKUS. Because he called it lapdog diplomacy. Yeah, that was in the right? clip, I think. Lapdog diplomacy. Yeah. And look, I think this is going to be another example of overreach. You don't come down here and pick on an Aussie family and expect to get away with it. So get fired up about it. There's a lot of reasons to contact your MP. So make a list <laughs> and get on the phone, making it, write an email. But in conclusion, just to reiterate the fact that Aspie is now targeting us and domestic campaigns on the question of economics and services that have nothing to do with foreign policy in its purview, just to smear that, right, um, so that the whole package can be included in social media censorship. That shows you how serious this is getting, but it also shows you how effective we are being, Mm. right? So So take heart from that and keep it up. Good job. 
That's all we've got time for. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Lisa. See you next week. Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.